right. Welcome back. Here we are. Here we are. Science in between. Episode 26. Look 26. at us. Look yeah, at us. Nice. yeah, I know. It's a nice round number. Nice even number. Sure, it sure. is. Yeah. 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 This, this is anything all... else to say about the number? No, I just sometimes it's, you like to say stuff about that. Yeah, number. 26 isn't very special. What I mean, what's well, special it's, about 26? It's divisible by a prime number. So sure. It is. It is. And you know, that's the thing. You know what I learned is that uh while 2021 is not a prime number, it is the product of two prime numbers. Hmm, look at that. That's exciting. That well, is. did you did you realize last night? Um, Christine told me this that last uh, night. Uh, 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 see what you're gonna do here is what? you're going to expose our recording. Oh, 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 oh. see what you're oh, going to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh we got to keep that secret. Yeah. Okay. So I know, I know exactly where you're going to go. And I'm just like, oh, Scott. Well, at some point in the past, there was a day. <laughs> there was a day. When, when it was the 20, 21st second of the 21st minute of the 21st hour of the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. Look at that. Mind Boom. blowing. Boom. Right. And, yep. So that was January 21st. And the cool thing about this year is there's also like acronyms or there was acronyms in, mm. in all of January. Like you could not acronyms. Uh, what's the one where you can go back and forth? Palindromes. Uh, palindromes. That's right. Yeah, and then so, yes, it's very <laughs> different. Thank you. There's no acronyms in, in dates. There are well, none. <laughs> might be. I don't know. Let's not. Maybe let's not make a blanket statement like that. Yes. Could, yeah. Let's, someone. Let's keep someone. The universe open to the possibility of an acronym. Yes. So uh, we have just kind of like just spent a few minutes talking about absolutely yeah. nothing. That's all right. It's okay. Yes. It's yeah. you know. It's it's all right. It's uh. We're we're entitled occasionally to spin off into to stray. Uh, yeah. To stray. And and we're uh, if you're following along, uh, we're talking about cross cutting concepts. Uh, we introduced them in, in episode 25. These are parts of the next generation science standards. Um, and, and I think we talked about them as this three-dimensional concept that, you know, we have these, you know, disciplinary, you know, content standards. I'm, I'm not down with the lingo, you know. Oh, come on now. Yes. But the, okay, so there's the disciplinary core ideas. There you there's go. The, there's the science and engineering practices. Yes. There's the cross-cutting concepts. And then those are combined to create performance expectations. Yes. You see, yes. you bought way in on, on all the, what? the lingo. I, I, don't, I, I don't know that knowing the correct terminology to describe a thing means that you're totally bought into it. But okay, okay. If that's our definition. Fine. Yeah, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. The, there, there cup, it is. I have a cup of it right here. Right there. Yeah. And so the cross-cutting concepts, these are these are tools um, that you know help us, you know, looking at the big concepts that go across all of the areas that scientists use to, you know, better understand or or study, you know, concepts. And so yeah, and, and, uh, go ahead. Good. No. Well, I was going to say one of you know one of the reasons we're taking these up. Well, there's a couple of reasons I can think of um, on top of each other. So one is that uh, we've been doing some work with the school district and um, Ollie and I and two of our other colleagues doing some professional development and and we're focusing on cross cutting concepts in that work. Um, but but part of the reason we're doing that is because cross-cutting concepts within NGSS are not super well understood. Um, right. they're, they're sort of this 
uh, third leg of the stool that a lot of people don't pay attention to. So the disciplinary core ideas are sort of straightforward. We understand them. The, the science and engineering practices are sort of straightforward. We understand them. How do you do science? They're a little more complicated, but we all do labs and stuff like that. So we have some notion that they've got to learn how to think about science the way scientists do. But this idea of cross-cutting concepts, it intuitively makes a lot of sense. Like, oh yeah, there are things you learn in, in biology that are relevant in chemistry and physics and so on and, and reversing that too. But actually nuts and bolts, what does that mean? And what does it do to you as a, a science teacher? And how do you have to think about it? I think that's, that's why we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I think it's the other thing that's challenging about that is that we, we as science teachers, we don't have a whole lot of experience with that, both as students and as teachers. So we haven't seen that modeled for us um, in terms of how we, you know, take these 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 cross cutting concepts and really, you know, uh, weave them, thread them across years and years of education. Because usually what we do is we just say, uh, okay, I'm going to teach this content this year. And this is the way I've always taught it. This is the way it was taught to me. And then, you know, how do we, you know, bring to light these, these concepts? And the, and the one we're going to dig into this week is, is cause and effect. Um, and if you think you know about cause and effect, it's actually a little bit more complicated than you may um have encountered and may have uh, seen because it's actually you know a much broader concept than just you know uh this causes this you know right but but i think the other thing too before because i i know we got to get into that complexity sure but i but i do want to talk a little bit about um you know in terms of cross-cutting concepts one of the challenges and you you alluded to this and i just want to to expand on a little because I think it's important. Um, there is this problem that um, that happens with all changes in teaching is teachers say, oh yeah, I already do that. So they so one of the things like let's stay with cause and effect is you say, well, of course we teach about cause and effect. Like everything I, in my class is about cause and effect. And I think part of the challenge here is is that to to make these cross-cutting concepts work. Um, you have to call them out. You have to be explicit. You have to build things into the way that you teach that support this. So with cause and effect, like one of the simplest ways, um, before we talk about the complexity of cause and effect as a concept, um, is just using that language. Um, you'd be surprised how little we as science teachers, when we teach, actually say the words cause and effect right. when we're describing things. Like we describe lots of science phenomenon. We even ask our kids to do things, but we very rarely talk about it in terms of cause and effect. And so it doesn't build that muscle in kids to say, oh, there's causes, there are effects. Can I look for them? What do they look like? How do I tell the difference between them? Things like that. So just beginning to use that language in an explicit way is a simple way to get into this uh, cross-cutting concept universe. And and while I was poo-pooing, uh, can I say that? Poo-pooing? Poo -poo. uh -huh. that's, that's fairly strong language, but I guess it is. you have to. Yeah. And, and while I was, you know, uh, playfully poo-pooing the uh, next generation science standards and the lingo they right. I know the uh, at the at the start of this episode, I, I will say that it does provide a common set of of terms and languages that we all can draw upon. And so, saying you know, cause and effect, uh, scale, proportion, and quantity. These all of these cross-cutting concepts that we introduced last week that we're going to spend some time talking about over the next few weeks. These are this is a common vernacular that we can all draw upon, and that we all can start to 
inject into our teaching. And as these, you know, reoccurring characters, I guess that's the, the uh, we were looking for metaphors last episode, but, mm. you know, these are reoccurring characters that come up numerous times across all the content areas. And as they come up, we need to say, you know, here it is, this is cause and effect again. And this is a different type of cause and effect that we might've seen before, or, Hey, you remember when we had this cause and effect that we, we discussed a few weeks ago when we were talking about this con concept here it is again, but now let's, let's talk about this and unpack that. And so I think that explicit instruction is, is important, but I think that more than that, the next generation science standards gives us that terminology up, upon which we can draw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, what, what this means for, for folks as science teachers is when you're asking kids, you know, we talk a lot about asking kids to make explanations of things. When you're asking kids to make explanations, you know, we talk about claims, evidence, reasoning a lot, right? Yeah. But we don't talk about cause and effect. And that is a place that you can insert cause and effect, right? When you're talking, when you're asking kids to explain things, to break things down. And one of the things that using cause and effect does is it forces you to break a phenomenon down into pieces. You can't just try and do some broad general explanation. You have to say, well, explain how this causes that, right? So, you know, like the example that I'll use from the professional development that we were doing was um, we gave them this very simple phenomenon, which is you take a straw, you put it in a glass of water, you put your finger on top of the straw. And when you lift the straw out of the glass, like there's water in the straw, right? And so this is a you know, kids do this in restaurants that they can entertain themselves for hours doing this, right. Um, <laughs> right? So this is not an unknown phenomenon. But when you ask people to start explaining it, they start explaining it, but they very rarely, if ever, actually use the language it, of cause, cause and effect. effect, right? And so then, but once you start pushing them on that, you say, well, what's the cause and what's the effect? And they say, well, you know, the cause is I put my finger on top and that's what keeps the water in. The effect is the water. And so you're saying, so your finger is holding the water in. That's the cause and effect. And they're like, oh, well, wait, right. no, there's something else going on there. So it forces that that thinking to get more small and and focused and and fine grained to say, well, what is what is the direct relationships that I can actually identify? So I think that's one of the big powers of cause and effect as a cross cutting concept. Right, and I think you know framing it that way. Having students, and we talked about this, you know, as we were talking about the the Brian Brown book, was you know having students, you Our know, friend Brian Brown, just yeah, your your friend Brian Brown, you know, my, you know, I'm still just in the fanboy category, but when we when we were talking about uh, the Brian Brown book we talked about the importance of having students make explanations or provide explanations or, and how iterative that can be and how like it helps to, you know, get them to, you know, draw on their knowledge and, and, and recognize some, some deficiencies in their knowledge or some places where they have to, to grow and develop, but then framing those explanations from the, you know, using ca cause and effect in your explanation, how did, why is this, th why does this happen or how does this happen? Right. And so really just guiding them to, and that's, and that's exactly what Brian Brown talks about in the book is like having them use these terms in their explanations, you know, once right. those terms have been developed, you know, and the students have a better understanding of that than saying, okay, framing your explanation from this using these terms. And so, and that's something we don't do. We don't, we might do with our content area. We might say, okay, using momentum or, you know, using energy, but to use these, you know, really this, 
these you know reoccurring characters and i'll use that metaphor again but using this across all the disciplines all the content areas all the grade levels i think is something that can you know provide you know a a synergy Ooh, uh, you see what i did there yeah i did uh, poo poo and synergy uh, today oh i know mm -hmm. thank you uh -huh. i didn't make up one of those words scott I know. Well, that's true. That's a fair point. Right. Yeah. But I think you've hit on a key piece, which is like, now that we, we take this back, like, why is that then a cross-cutting concept? So if we're use, so if we're saying, oh, cause and effect, cause and effect is a cross-cutting concept. Well, how it becomes a cross-cutting concept is like Ali's saying is if in elementary school, we start talking with kids in terms of cause and effect, then by the time they get to middle school, cause and effect is a way that they think about science, right? Yeah. So they can start. And so that cross-cutting concept, this recurring character or, or tool that we've developed from this sort of cognitive tool for them to use to, 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 uh, you know, to study, to dismantle, to, to, uh, analyze phenomenon that's that's a muscle that's been developed so by the time they get into high school it gets more and more developed and they can start to see this thing again across disciplinary right. boundaries and that's the real power of it is to see that cause and effect is something that you can always look for if you're whether you're looking at an ecosystem or whether you're looking at a molecular level you know chemical reaction you can always say what's the cause and what's the effect and can i understand it so, um, so that's really the power of the cross-cutting concept. And then, and then the thing that you alluded to that I think we, we can talk a little bit more about now is, um, is this work that came out of Harvard. It's, it's actually older work. It's about 10 years sure. old, but, um, but it looked at these multiple kinds of, uh, of, of cause and effect. The cause and effect is, you know, the simplest version, there is one cause, there is one effect, and there's a mechanism in between those two things. We, we think about all the time, but what they found is there's at least six of these different kinds of cause and effect. And you can use that, that sort of taxonomy of cause and effect also as a tool to help kids understand that what's well, not always simple. It's not because that's a, you know, especially as we start getting into things like system reasoning, understanding mm -hmm. that cause and effect is not always just a simple, this thing causes that thing is incredibly important. Yeah, and and so I, we could just talk about them briefly, just to kind of yeah. go through each. Um, so there's linear. That's the you know the one Scott was talking about. There's a you know a a, a cause and a single effect, and there's some mechanism between them. Um, but there's also a domino causality, which is actually just a bunch of linear ones strung together. So if you think about like a Luke a Rube Goldberg contraption, right? Like a Rube Goldberg contraption. If you you remember these from you know, uh, either from television or cartoons or something, Mouse you know, this, the game, Mouse Mouse trap, trap the game. Yeah. So this hits this and this hits this, and this turns on this light, which, you know, sets a fire to this and, and all that, um, that simply they could be looked at, you know, as a bunch of very small linear, but they, you know, cause and effects, but the reality is, is that there's, there's a string of these together. And so this, they act like a domino, right? A domino effect, one after another, after another. And so there's, you know, there's a clear beginning, a clear end with a lot of causes and effects in between. So, um, yeah. And, and those can involve uh, like branching and you've seen cool ones, right? You've seen these on, on, online. There's always, you know, go to, go to YouTube and go, you know, put in Rube Goldberg contraption. This is actually a project I used to do with my students, uh, there's some interesting stories that happen from that and right and then you'd, you'd have to do an energy analysis of this right, right? exactly like, you know, exactly where's the potential where's the kinetic how does it transform from one form to another yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So and, 
but but I think that framing that I ne- what I never did was framed it from cause and effect, right? I never did that. I always looked at it from energy, and so it you know changing that or updating that you know would be okay. Talk about the cause and effects that are, are apparent in this, and then maybe talking about the energy as well. And this would be something you know I always like to try to swing us back to like you know, this in-between world, this online remote, you know, this would be something that would be really easy with just finding some, you know, Rube Goldberg videos on and, and dropping them into an LMS and having the students write down some explanations about this, you know, drawing upon cause and effect in their explanations. So. Yeah. And um, even, even expanding that notion, um, you know, if you wanted to introduce these different forms of cause and effect, they're, they're uh, sadly, I think all the videos were in flash and I think they yeah. were taken down. Um, <laughs> end of life, end of, end life. of life. So, um, but the idea of like giving, giving kids a set of phenomenon through videos or, or other things and asking them to think explicitly about cause and effect across those, um, I think could be a great activity right now. Like where you, where you have access to, you know, easy access to video and then they can, share their thoughts out with a small group and then decide what, what kind of causality do you think this is? And, um, so, so I'll take this, the next one, which is cyclical causality. Um, and I think this is probably pretty straightforward. It usually involves a feedback loop and it's some sort of repeating pattern where one thing leads to another, and then that thing leads to the original thing and, and, or multiple there can, you know, there can be combinations of this, like that's the simplest cyclic causality where you have one thing in an, and well, two things in a cycle with each other, but there can obviously be 10 things that are in a cycle with each other. And that would be sort of a combination of domino causality and cyclical causality. But the point is there isn't a clear beginning and end. It's just this sort of going around and around one thing causes another, which causes another, which causes the first thing and, and so on and so forth. So that's that, um, so examples of this would be things like the water cycle, you know, so like, sure. you know, the, the cyclical that kind of like connotes like things like the water cycle. But I, I think going back to when I, you know, when I was a, a new parent reading the, you know, if you give a, a mouse a cookie or you give a pig a pancake, those are, those are I all. I love s- these books. I, gotta say. I do. We have them and we reference them all the time. So like we, in our, you know, common, you know, conversation in our house, we'll, when when it, like we we've just been remodeling some parts of our house and you know my my wife was like oh this is you know give a pig a pancake because you know we know as soon as we do this it's gonna you know do this what's gonna do that what's gonna do this and it's just you know yeah it just spirals out of control that, that sounds like that sounds like domino causality it does maybe we're we're using it uh inaccurately it does sound yeah. i think uh, the, i think the water cycle was was you should have stuck to that yeah that's that's a, I mean, it's got cycle in the name, so how can you be wrong? You're right. Okay. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. It doesn't happen often. Write this down. Episode 26. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hang it Ollie, in my fridge, take a picture. Ollie agrees with Scott. Yeah. Well, I, times. I referenced the one, another. I know, that, I know you tried to sneak it in there and I, I cut off to. your transition. You, you did. Nice. It yeah. was, I was working on it is the spiraling causality. You know, this is, it involves, uh, you know, multiple feedback feedback loops and there's you know you know usually some clear beginning usually some clear end and and it just you know spirals you know i don't know what's a better way of explaining that i don't don't think there's i think that's that's correct i think the difference is that um that there's a directionality to it that you don't get in cyclical right so cyclical it repeats itself you can go back and forth right right so Yeah. yeah 
Um, and then the next one is relational causality. Um, and by the way, we will put, um, we'll put a link to the, to the, uh, yeah, all this stuff in the show notes, including a, a PDF that has these different causalities in it, um, is relational causality. And this is, you know, when there are two things in relation to each other that are causing an outcome together. So, so it's not a simple one thing causes another, but a couple of things or multiple things are causing a potentially multiple things, right? So it's this, it's the non, non simple linear. And actually, the example that I gave with the straw and the water is an example of relational causality because there's gravity, there's also differential air pressure and atmospheric pressure. So all these pieces of work together to cause the effect of this water stain in the straw. So relational causality is more complex, right? So that one's a trickier one to help kids learn. And I think, you know, to, to pop back out to, a, to the 10,000 foot view here for a second, that's, that's a key thing that you have to remember that, that a lot of this is helping to support them to, giving them opportunities to talk in terms of cause and effect. Um, but that also means that you as a teacher have to be prepared for that. So you, yeah. so if you're going to bring up cause and effect, you better have thought through it on a cause and effect right. uh, way. Otherwise you're going to get yourself in hot water quickly because this stuff is complicated. And going back to the original point, we often don't talk this way. We don't talk this way about cause and effect. So if you're not prepared to have that conversation, if you haven't done some thinking about, um, oh yeah, in this case, this is the cause, this is the effect, or these are the causes and these are the effects and this, and, and it's dom domino causality or it's relational causality or whatever it is. If you haven't done that thinking in advance, then having that conversation with kids could be counterproductive, right? Because everybody's just going to get more confused by your, your attempt. So, so as with, you know, when you're doing phenomenon based teaching, you have to really go through your own explanation before you ask kids to go through an explanation. This is the same thing. You really need to think through the causality before you delve into it with your students. Yeah. And some of these are, like you said, are really complicated. So you have to think about them and, and also think about how you can frame situations that can help the students, you know, better see them because they can be complicated and really hard to identify all the different causes and effects that can uh, be apparent in a situation. And I think this la the last one I think is one of those ones that are pretty complicated because there's not a whole lot of examples that students may see in their everyday life, which mutual causality is that the cause and effect are intertwined so that the thing that causes the effect of the other thing actually, you know, affects the other thing too. So mm -hmm. these are like intertwined and it's not cyclical um, because there's a sort of like, you know, that both of the things are in it so intertwined. Right. The time that, dimension is different. Right. 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 And so, you know, <clears throat> Uh, you know, I, I can't think of an example in physics where that would happen, but maybe in biology where, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, the one example from the site is uh, that they talk about is like, f you know, putting fish in a fish tank that they eat the, you know, the eat the algae or things that are in the fish tank and, and then they're cleaning the water. And so there's a mutual causality there that they identify and, you know, like yeah, you they said, talk about moss and algae in the example right. here, right? So, but yeah, the difference being that um, between this and cyclical is cyclical is still sequential, but it cycles around and yeah. mutual happens simultaneously. Um, so you have two causes and effects sort of working together. Um, and, you know, they could both be 
you know, the, the relationship could be positive or negative in terms of like how we would talk about positive and negative in a feedback loop, right? One yep. going up and one going down. Um, or so they could both be positive, both be negative or one, one of each. Um, but they, they are happening simultaneously to each other. So the moss and al algae, I almost said algae. But algae you almost did. in lichen, um, like their that their growth is happening simultaneously. They're they're symbiotic, so that their relationship is to they're simultaneously causing right and affecting each other. So, um, but you know, just the idea. I think you know, even for Ollie and I, I think this was a bit of a revelation when we started working on this, that, that there were multiple forms right. of cause and effect. I think we, we entirely took this for granted that cause and effect are, well, you know, it's just cause and effect. Um, but, but that is an outgrowth of the fact that we never talk this way. We don't think about in science, like, Oh, what's the cause? What's the effect? We take it for granted that it's there, but we don't right. talk about it. And, 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 and we well, don't have the, and we don't have the language for it either. Like we, cause we haven't, you know, we haven't ever taught it this way. And so we, we haven't ever framed any of the things in our classrooms from this way. And so, you know, of course there's, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that there's a taxonomy of this, right? It just right. surprises me that, you know, 29 years into teaching and I, it's just like right. a novel thing. It's like, oh, look at that. There is actually a taxonomy of this. And, yeah. and that, you know, we, I've never used it in my classroom or never talked about it with students that way. And, and I think that's the, that is a, an example of that exemplifies why this needs to be discussed more and, and why cross-cutting concepts is one of the things that in terms of the next generation science standards is one of the things that uh, a lot of teachers struggle with is yeah. that it's just that it's not something that we're, you know, accustomed to. It's not something, you know, that we've have a lot of experience with. And so spending a little time over the next few weeks talking about this, I think might actually be a, a good, you know, good end, a good, you know, thing for, for some of our listeners. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I want to go back for a second to the PD that we did because I, I was struck even like, uh, I know we know, we know we didn't have enough time to do what we wanted to do, which is always the case, I guess. But, sure. but, um, but I was struck by how hard it was, you know, the, these, we asked teachers to get in groups and sort of walk through this explanation and talk about it in terms of cause and effect and then brought them back and asked them to report out. And as soon as they start reporting out, they just start reporting out without using cause and effect. Cause and effect like they, just, right. they just talk and they say, Oh, well, the air pressure does this and the gravity is doing that. And it's, yeah. and, and I say, okay, can you talk about that in terms of cause and effect? And it just stops them dead in their tracks. They're like, well, yeah. what do you, what do you mean? I am talking about it in terms of cause and effect. And I said, well, I just listened to you and you did not use either of those words in that whole explanation that you just gave. Uh, and I'm, and I said, I'm not saying what you said is scientifically wrong. What I'm saying right. is if you want to support kids learning about how cause and effect works, you have to be you have to use You have to use the terms. And, and it goes to back to that. Like you said, goes back to what Brian Brown said. Like we have to think about science. We have to think about science as at least in part, the learning of a foreign language yes. and, and cause and effect is fundamentally, you know, we take it for granted. It's like so many things in science, especially in physics. Um, I feel like, I mean, we're both physics nerds, so maybe yeah. it's not true, but, but there's lots of language in physics that's in ordinary vernacular and that causes a, a significant difficulty when you're learning physics, right? Because, um, you know, we, we talk about like with the, with the park forest teachers that I work with, like when they do their energy unit in the beginning, they don't, they don't let kids use the term energy. In fact, they make up a word 
So they call it BAM or whatever they call it. BAM. Yeah. And then there are different kinds of BAM and oomph, right? So there's gravitational BAM, which is grubam. And then there's, you know, (laughs) elastabam, which is the elastic potential energy. But they don't let them call it that initially because because there's so much baggage that comes along with it. So um, so this idea of, you know, the disaggregated pedagogy, the idea that let's let's help them work through the concept. This is sort of the reverse of that. This is okay, they have a notion of what cause and effect is, but they haven't really thought deeply about it. So you need the language to help them to parse it apart into, um, oh, well, that's a cause and that's an effect. Because they know the words, but they can't. They haven't really intentionally applied them often to to real things. And I and and I think with what your uh, experiences with that professional development shows is that these explanations can be iterative. Like you go back and say, okay, you know, could you revise that and now you draw on cause and effect in your explanations because it was so content dense, but it wasn't really um, meeting the, the the goals of the the activity, right? And so exactly. you know, have and and having them refine their their work again. This goes back to your friend Brian Brown, who you know is like <laughs> your friend Brian Brown, my my close personal friend. Yes, as. <laughs> And, and yeah, but it, but it is, it's an iterative process where we give feedback and we help them revise. And so, right. Like the goal isn't, you know, I, the, the, a thing that I say a little turn of phrase that I use a lot is, is the, the, the goal is, um, less bad explanations, right? Like that's what we're, we're not trying to, to get them to, to remember facts. We're trying to, to get them to have less bad explanations, to improve upon their own explanations, because yeah. there is no, there are no right explanations in science. I mean, this is the thing going back to the the tentativeness of science. Yeah. Like we have our current explanations, but they're not right. They're just valuable. They're useful. They're productive. They help us do things in the world um, and understand the world. But they're not right. They're just what they are. So helping kids develop better and better explanations is really the goal. Yeah, I just I. I, I love that, that tentativeness of science, you know, that's one of those things that when I push back with my students and I'm like, like, cause they always say, well, this, this proved this. And I'm like, uh, you, you, you want to draw back on that? You know, we don't, we don't prove much. We don't you know? prove stuff in science. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, yeah. Yeah, I'm well. This, sorry. I was about to go on a tangent. So I'm going right. to, I'm going to draw my, I'm going to draw Pull back in. from that. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna. I think I think we've done cause and effect. I think we can move along now and and talk about things that bring us joy. But um, but it, but you, I feel like that big breath meant you said you have something one, no. one last nugget to no. No, okay. it's I'm good. I'm good because yeah. I I feel the I feel the rabbit hole and I see that we're at this you know the yeah. edge of the rabbit hole and we could just fall right in and yeah. you know get into well, that and may, maybe at some point what we need to do is we need to develop an after show. Sure. Um, so, so we do the show <laughs> and then we have an after show and that's, you know, maybe, maybe we use some bad words like poo poo in that show. Oh yeah. So, so it's got an explicit tag. So maybe the kids are really interested in it. They're like, sure. Hey, if you heard about this cool after show for science in between where they like say poo poo and synergy. I was um, using poo poo, not from that poo poo. I was like, well, that- I'm just saying the kids don't, kids don't know the difference between the, your, your use of poo poo and the traditional use of poo poo. Um, so I think, I think that could be a little, not, not that we're going down a rabbit hole here, but I'm just saying that that could be a thing for us is, is like an after show. Uh, we could, we could, you know, have a Patreon so that people 
really if you really want to hear the the real deal between ollie and scott you can listen to the after show so wow i'm just, put, I'm just putting that I, out there. i don't know if they can handle that i don't think they can no. that's no. a lot of honesty that's a lot of honesty it, right and there's some there would be some brutal dialogue there from especially from you you yeah. know well especially for me yes well okay i'll, I'll start with Please. my with my joy Please so do. um there's, uh, I don't know when this, uh, this dropped on Netflix, but I, we were just sort of my, my family and I were, you know, flipping around on Netflix of, uh, uh, a week or so ago. And we came across song exploder and I didn't know it was a podcast. Um, and I guess it is, it's been a podcast for a bunch of years. Yes. But you can moved, thank me for that. Right. I can't thank you for that. Um, yeah. but what, what song exploder is, it's this, uh, it's a, a single I don't know, researcher, uh, song researcher who uh, goes and meets with the people who have written some of the songs that you know and love. And so like last night we were watching uh, the Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor uh, interview about Hurt. Now you, you probably know that song and you've heard either, you know, the Johnny Cash version or the Nine Inch Nails mm. version. Um, both awesome and very different. And mm. just to hear... You know, the deep dive of, you know, how that song was written, all of the, you know, because it's really cool bunch from a bunch of different perspectives. One, it talks about it from like the actual writing of the lyrics, writing of the songs, but also talks about it from, you know, the production things like like what are some of the layering that they used and and I don't know how uh, the, the the guy, uh, I guess I should pull up his name, but uh I don't know how he gets his hands on the masters, but he does. And so he'll have them on his, his computer and just be like, okay, this was the original demo for this song. And he's done this with a bunch of them. And I think the coolest part for me, besides the, you know, the way that they unpack the music is just to hear these people who are like, you know, musical icons mm. be so vulnerable about the way when they hear their voices stripped down or they hear their, guitar playing stripped down and just saying, well, you know what? I, I, I don't really feel like I'm like Trent Reznor is like, I, I, I don't really feel like I'm a very good singer mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to sing like David Bowie. Yeah. And then, and I, and I was, you know, I, my son's a mu musician. Um, and, and he, he struggles with that same sort of thing. He's like, I, I don't like the sound of my voice. And I'm like, that's everybody. That's yeah. everybody. Like if Michael Stipe, there's an episode about losing my religion with Michael Stipe, like he was visibly upset when they played him, the version of just his singing voice. And he's like, I've, I, I've never really liked my singing voice. And I'm like, that's Michael Stipe, this guy who sold millions of records right yeah. who's had like and won grammy awards and uh oh you want you, you just dropped the name in there do you want I, to take a stab the, at it nope that's yeah. why i dropped the name in the chat because I, I that's the name of the guy who produces song, song exploder and yes. i'm just i'm not going to do damage to his name he i yes it's the i'm the the last name's hairway but i'm just like hirish cash hirish cash Yep. I, yeah, I think that might I, be it. See, seems like you got to listen to the podcast and know to know exactly. But anyway, but he's sorry. Super smart. Yeah. Great episodes. Even the ones I'm not familiar with, like we watched a Dua Lipa version and uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Dalla Sign. Uh, I'm not familiar with either one of those artists. Uh, but just like I'm familiar with Dua Lipa, but um, yeah. but I I 
you know, learned so much about the artists and about the songs and, and about the production. It's so cool. And um, I just wish there were more episodes. I think we're almost done with the ones that are up there. And so I, but I suspect there are more coming. So. Well, I'm sure there are more co- coming. And and obviously the other really good piece of news is that there is a great podcast and he's been doing yeah. it for years and years. Um, and, and, uh, and I had listened to it in the past and yeah, I mean, he, it's, it's amazing what he does and, uh, and how he does it. And, um, and he's, he's really turned it into an art form, right? Like you see, um, yeah. like so many things, when you see somebody who really does a thing and commits to it and repeat repeatedly does it like they get extraordinarily good at it and it's it's a a sort of competence that is you know whether you're interested in music or not seeing it done is just really impressive right because you see you see the care and the and the commitment and the energy that is required to do the work um and it's it's pretty impressive so yeah it's awesome um, nice song exploder song exploder uh, both on Netflix and as a podcast, we'll make sure that we have all the show notes, uh, links in there, but, um, but yeah, good one. Um, what about you, Scott? So I have a much less, uh, fascinating and, uh, discussable, uh, joy this week. But, um, but what I will say is I'm going to put uh, 500 rummy or 500 rum, depending on who you ask, but we call it 500 rummy, uh, which is a card game, um, that my, uh, one one of my daughters and, and my wife and I have been playing a lot in the evenings uh, as our sort of wind down. Um, so it's it's sort of if you know gin rummy, it's similar, uh, except it's more uh, social in that you're playing your your hand as you get melds, right? Collections of cards. So three of a kind or runs or whatever. You put those cards down on the table and then other people can They'll add play to off them. them. Right. Um, and the goal is to get points, um, not to get melds, though they're related to each other. Um, so you, uh, you, you can, you, you're trying to get rid of all your cards, just like always. But in this case, you're trying to play them out onto the table. Um, and then once somebody has eliminated their cards, you get the score that's down on the table minus whatever's left in your hand. And the goal is to get to 500. So it's a simple game. It's, it's the kind of game that, uh, you know, has enough luck in it, uh, especially for noobs like us, like we're not serious card sharks, uh, or card sharps. I don't know which one it is. It's one of those two. Um, <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> card sharps. I've never heard that term. Really? I'm yeah. fairly sure that the, let me, now I'm going to look it up, but I'm yeah. pretty sure card sharks. Uh, yeah. I thought it was always card sharks. It's not yeah, like it's card a- sharks, but card sharp. Uh, also card sharp, uh, card shark, uh, sometimes hyphenated, sometimes not card sharp is the, there's a painting by Caravaggio called the card sharps. So there you go. Wow. So back in the day for our art listeners out there, for our art listeners, you can go check out Caravaggio's card sharps, um, which is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, it's a pretty nice painting. Got guys playing cards. And they have that's little not feathers your joy. in their hats. But that's, that's not, not my joy. joy. But I mean, it could be. I didn't know. I didn't know that Caravaggio had a, a card sharp painting. So maybe I'll get one of those reproductions. Maybe I'll get one that has dog heads where the people are. Oh yeah, those are always classy when you have. They like are. A do- if you can get that on velvet, you're scenes. like oh. rocking. And if and if it glows in the dark, like come on, it's like yes. a, a win win win. So, and if they're uh, playing five hundred. 
right? Well, well, they'd have to be. You sure. could put that in. You could put that in in the bottom. Like sure. by the way, they're playing five hundred rummy. So that was a bit of a <clears throat> was that cyclical or spiraling causality? I think that was I, spiraling. Yeah. So we have to go back and explain that. That <sighs> we, oh, wow, cause no. and effect. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, anyway, going back to the top of the spiral, <laughs> uh, five hundred rummy. Check it out. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and it's good, you know, especially if you have more than two players, obviously, uh, if you got two players, you, you sort of got to stick with the traditional rummy. But if you got yeah. three, four or five players, you'll need multiple decks, though. That's the only thing. Just be careful. Yeah, we're big card players in our in our our family. We're big game players in our family, too. And I think that uh, like I can almost think back to my life, like at different points. Well, oh, that was my you know 500 rummy period or that was my mm. Euchre period or that was we play a lot of five crowns right now. But mm. um, Euchre, big Euchre player. You're a Midwesterner. You know, oh, you know, yeah. Euchre, oh, you know, yeah. Euchre. Euchre yeah. is a serious uh, game in my part of the world. Yes. Yeah. Hearts. Hearts. That was a big hearts when right. I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, my so. dad still my dad still to this day will not play cards with uh, our family because my mom's side of the family was such an aggressive hearts playing family like they're they're a big family so they get like 10 12 people in a game and it you know people were not kind to right. each other and my dad was like cutthroat i can't i can't do this like i don't want to end up hating all of you because we play cards together so well, that's you know wow, that i feel like now we're doing therapy it so, is <laughs> that's a completely different podcast yeah yeah yeah, See, is. we're in the after show already. We got to stop because we got to save that for our Patreon. Yeah. So, well, I mean, this was episode 26. It, it wasn't, it, we weren't in our prime. It wasn't a square. <laughs> but, you, you know. You bring it back to that. <laughs> but, you know, it's the, the, the cause and effect of all of this. You know? Oh, geez. Okay, please let it end. This is this is Scott signing off for signs in between. I'm not even gonna let Ollie talk because he'll probably say some of their dad jokes. What else do you want to say, Ollie? Go ahead. I got nothing. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Science in Between. See you then. <laughs>